This morning, I want to speak to you from the subject, Hosanna in the Highest. Uh, The words of praise, the words of prayer that were spoken uh, to Jesus uh, by the crowds when he came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, to the end that you and I, that our praise and our trust in Jesus would not be diminished because of the present crisis. This is this is Palm Sunday. This is Holy Week. This is what it's all about. This is the gospel. This is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. And this is a time of high worship and high praise and thanksgiving. It's not a time to be overcome with fear and trepidation. And so we want to talk about uh, Hosanna in the highest. But This particular Palm Sunday, I want us to highlight that theme of praise, and I want to actually look at Psalm 113 through Psalm 118, and you can pray about that. Uh, I want to look at these psalms because uh, these psalms are the ones that Israel sang during the celebration of the Passover. They're often called the Egyptian praise. Uh, Psalm 113 and Psalm 114 were typically sung before the Passover meal was eaten, and Psalm 115 through Psalm 118 were sung after uh, the Passover meal was eaten. You may recall in the Gospel account of Jesus Christ and his disciples moving on to uh, the Mount of Olives, and they sung a hymn, and it is... um, believed by most reputable scholars that it was these particular psalms that they were singing at that time. As you know, Hosanna uh, is, is literally save or save now. It's both praise and prayer, praise to the Lord who acts on behalf of his people and prayer for the Lord to act in, in salvation on behalf of his people. And Hosanna is uh, quoted in each of the Gospel accounts, and it is a quotation, as you know, from Psalm 118, verse 25. When Jesus entered Jerusalem to bring salvation through substitutionary sin-bearing sacrifice for us, uh, it was an act of grace, it was an act of mercy, and it deserves high praise no matter what our present circumstances may be right now. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Last week we spoke about how uh, Paul, from a prison cell, uh, wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say, rejoice. Uh, And what's central to the book of Philippians, as you know, the portrait of Jesus given there, is that of one who counted you more significant and sought what was in your best interest as he humbled himself took on the form of a servant, was found in human likeness, and he, he became obedient to death, even death on a cross for sinners. And it is that humility, that, uh, that, that humbling of himself for you, that gives a reason uh, to worship him all the time. And that's also what's central to Psalm 113 as we work our way through these Egyptian psalms. In Psalm 113, if you look at verse 5, you will see there, Who is like the Lord our God, who is seated on high, who looks far 
down on the heavens and the earth. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes, with the princes of his people. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. And this psalm, Psalm 113, has seven references to praising the Lord for all people at all times. From the rising of the sun to its setting uh, is talking about praising God all day long as well as praising God the whole world over. As the sun moves its course across the world, everyone under Uh, the light of the sun, is called to worship. And the reason that's given in this psalm is because the Lord humbles himself, literally, to look at us. And not simply to look at us, but to raise us up from our lowest state. It says he raises the poor from the dust, in verse 7, the needy from the ash heap, or the dunghill. No matter what our present circumstances are, because this has been done for us, it's time to exalt the Lord and worship Him. Even the most vulnerable and humble of people, God came to raise up. It mentions here the the barren woman. And in Israel, uh, the barren woman was often viewed as a cursed person. The barren woman... Uh, was often viewed as uh, a nobody because everybody in Israel was looking ahead for the Messiah. And they knew the Messiah was going to come as the seed of a woman. And so a woman who was barren in the mind of ancient Israel had nothing to contribute to that hope. But we find that in Christ Jesus, everybody contributes to that hope. Everybody can contribute and bear fruit, spiritual fruit, for the glory of God. And you can think about the Old Testament women, Sarah and Rebecca, Rachel, Hannah, and others, Manoah, who were barren, and who God raised up, even in their humble estate, and allowed them to give birth to children who contributed at some point, at some level, to the coming of the Messiah. And how in Christ Jesus, uh, we have been raised up and seated with Jesus Christ, and we are fruitful by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we contribute to the kingdom of God. No matter how low our station is in life, we all have a part to play in the grand purpose of God and His kingdom. In Psalm 114, a psalm that in particular mentions explicitly the Exodus, each of these psalms talks about God raising up those who are in a lowly estate, and perhaps, as many scholars have said, that's the reason why they have been coined the Egyptian psalms. But in Psalm 114, as you look at verses 1 and 2, it says, When Israel came out from Egypt, the explicit mention of the Exodus the house of Jacob from a people of strange language. Judah became his sanctuary, Israel, his dominion. And that's another reason right there to worship and shout Hosanna in the highest. 
Because Israel came out of Egypt, as you know, by the blood of the Lamb. It's the same reason why we get saved. It's by the blood of Jesus, who had his own exodus, ironically, out of Jerusalem. Jesus Christ talked about his exodus in Jerusalem, in Luke's account of the Gospel, chapter 9. And the purpose of which was so that you would become his sanctuary that you would become, as Israel had become in the Old Covenant, his treasured possession. That's what Israel as his dominion means. It means that they, in a special way, belonged to the Lord. And you, because of Jesus, belong to the Lord in a special way. The whole earth belongs to him, but you are his bride. You are his son, his daughter. You are his flock, his sheep. There are so many different images given in the Bible of how we belong to the Lord. And that's a reason why we can praise Him and worship Him. And as you look at the last part of Psalm uh, 114, uh, it talks about the sea, which is a reference to the Red Sea, how it ran away from the Lord and the Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams and the hills like lambs probably referring to Mount Sinai. And it's how the whole of creation, all of nature, basically got out of God's way because he was bringing a work of salvation for his people. Nothing could stop him. Nothing could stop his power for his people. And then it asks the question in verse 5 and 6, why are these things happening? And the answer is given in verses 7, it's because of the presence of the Lord. The Lord is present with his people, and he's present for his people, as the last verse testifies about God providing water out of a rock, the subject of our sermon last week that God is in the business of turning the world upside down and inside out so you'd be right side up. God is for his people. He's for you. And he's worthy of that praise and high worship, regardless of our present circumstances. And at this point, Israel would typically eat the Passover meal, remembering the Exodus, remembering coming out of bondage, the steadfast love of the Lord, that God is in a hurry to bring justice and salvation on behalf of his name and on behalf of his people. Which leads into Psalm 115, the first psalm that was sung after the Passover meal. And notice the first verses of that psalm. Having contemplated what the work of salvation and what God did, and what uh, the, the, the lamb or the goat represented, the blood on the door, that that was the only reason why they got out of, out of Egypt. What kind of response do you give to salvation? What kind of answer? What do you say to a God who stoops down low and looks at you and raises you up? And it's not because of of your skill or your work. It's because of his work and his power and his grace and his mercy. What do you say to a God? Well, Psalm 115 has the answer, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. And then it recounts how 
how the, the nations looked at Israel and how the world looks at us in times of crisis, in times of difficulty, and says, where's your God? Where is he? And uh, people, as it says in verses 4 through 8, they trust in silver and gold. At the time, people were making idols out of silver and gold, and that was their trust. That was their hope. That's who they looked to. But these idols of mankind, they're false. They're non-living. They're empty. They're powerless. Notice some of the things he says in verse Verse 5, they have mouths, but they don't speak, eyes, but don't see, ears, but don't hear, noses, but don't smell, hands, but don't feel, feet, but don't walk. That the people who worship them will be like them. You know, during this time, the economy has been struck in many ways, uh, and um, silver and gold points to that, points to not only our wealth, but the COVID virus points to our health. And where is your trust? Is your trust in your, your money? Is your trust in your health? Both of these things have, are vulnerable. They, they might diminish at any moment. We simply cannot put our trust in any of these things. And so that's why in verse 9, with great emotion, the psalmist says, Oh, Israel, trust in the Lord. For he is their help and shield, O house of Aaron. Trust in the Lord, he is their help and shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord, he is their help and their shield. Three times here it is mentioned how the Lord, he is our help. He's the one who saves. He is the one who guards and shields us. He's the one who shields our life. And... uh, Verse 12, it talks about how the Lord remembers us. And remembering the Lord is not meaning that he forgot us somehow, but remembering means that he's about to act on behalf of his people. In Genesis 8, it says of Noah that the Lord remembered Noah. And it's not like he had a V8 moment and had forgotten Noah and said, oh, I forgot all about him down there in that ship all by himself with his family and the animals. No, the Lord's remembering is language used to show that God is about to act on our behalf. And here, his action is to bless, to bless the house of Israel, the house of Aaron, and everyone who fears him, no matter what their station in life may be. And so he does that so that we would worship him, so that we would give him the glory. He blesses us so that we might be a blessing. That's what he says to Abraham, our forefather. And so he calls us to be a blessing. And in times like these, we, are, we should think soberly about how can I be a blessing in times of crisis? You have been blessed with every single spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Every single promise is yours in Jesus Christ. And it behooves us to worship God and shout Hosanna in the highest and to pray to God and ask Him, how would you have us be used in these particular times to bring the blessing of God to those in need? The Lord is good, and He is good to us. Psalm 116 recounts the goodness of God, and it talks about a psalmist who 
who, who loves the Lord. If you look at those verses, the first few verses, I love the Lord. Why? Because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold of me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. So here you have a a testimony of a person who knows what it's like to cry out to God and to be delivered by God. And so that produces in that person a love for God and a commitment to keep on calling on the Lord. Don't let the present crises silence your prayers. Don't let the present crises um, silence your praise of God. We had prayer meeting this week, and um, our house was a bit noisy, a little bit noisier than normal, and so I couldn't click my mute button because nobody would have heard me. They would have heard children having fun. But anyway, we have to be people who are full of of love for the Lord who has delivered us, committed to constantly calling upon his name in prayer. Has the present crisis silenced your prayers? Has it snatched your hope in some way and diminished your trust in some way? Looking at all of the news and what, what's, what's ahead of us. They say that the next two weeks are going to be the worst weeks, uh, the peak of this virus. And so many thousands, even hundreds of thousands of people will die. Something to think about, something very serious to think about. This psalmist in Psalm 116 praised God because God delivered him from death. What about us? Do we pray to God in light of that? Because this crisis is a real crisis, and we need real commitment to a God. And, and notice what is said in, in uh, verses um, 12 and following of Psalm 116. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. You know, crises often get us making promises to God. Oh Lord, if you deliver me from this, I'll do this. If you, if you keep me from getting the virus, I'll do this. And I don't know if that's been the nature of your prayers, but often that's the case. When we're in trouble, when we're in serious straits, we often make all kinds of promises to God. And then when God delivers, we tend to forget about the promises we made. But vows in the Bible were taken very, very seriously. The Bible talks in Exodus, in the book of Ecclesiastes, about how foolish it is to make a vow and not fulfill it. That, that um, God doesn't play games with uh, the promises. Our words are important uh, when what we say. And so this psalmist has made vows to God, it seems. Um, and, and when, when God comes through for him, 
He says twice in this psalm, I will pay my vows to the Lord in verse 14 and verse 18 in the presence of the people. And the cup of salvation is, as, as one commentator mentioned, it's, it's the opposite of the cup of wrath. And so it could either be referring to uh, taking up communion with God or fellowship with God or rejoicing in God, some kind of celebra- celebration of the Lord. And, um, and that's what this, this whole Egyptian Psalms are calling us to, is a, a deep worship and celebration and commitment to the Lord who has come through for us in so many ways, and particularly he has delivered us from death. He has delivered us from the worst and has given us the best. And so we have plenty of reason to worship him. Psalm 117 takes us from our personal testimony, as we see it in Psalm 116, and how that's supposed to impact everyone around us. Psalm 117 is only two verses. It says, Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. And here you have the, the nation, at this, in this context, the nation of Israel, calling all the other nations to praise the Lord and to extol him because of his steadfast love, because Israel was supposed to be um, a first start, a first step in, in regaining humanity. That when God made a promise to Abraham, he promised to make him a blessing to all nations. And that's what Israel was calling the nations here to do, is that look what, look what God did with our nation. Why don't you trust in the Lord? Why don't you celebrate and extol this God for his steadfast love? I have a question. Um, can the world who does not know the Lord look into your life and have motivation to want to know the Lord? Does your uh, praise and your extolling of the Lord because of what he's done for you, is it evident what he's done for you? So much so that the world wants to know. Their appetite is wet. Let your good works uh, show that. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Psalm 117 leads us to a, a key psalm within the Egyptian uh, praise, the Egyptian Psalter, and um, it is the psalm that contains the verse that is quoted by each of the Gospel accounts when it comes to Palm Sunday. In, in verse 25, it says, Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. And this psalm begins, as you know, um, if you read this uh, in Psalm 118, verses 1 and, and 2, um, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And then if you look, um, uh, that, that's repeated in verses 2 through 4. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his steadfast love endures forever. And um, if you don't like repetition, well, it, you're going to have a problem reading this psalm, especially Psalm 1. 
36, which says his steadfast love endures forever every single line of the psalm. But but God's steadfast love, his enduring love, that, that is forever, is, is worthy of praise, is worthy of praise, because no matter what the crisis you're in right now, it has not paused or curtailed or somehow deleted God's steadfast love enduring forever in your life. That no matter what you're going through, God's steadfast love enduring forever is still ringing true. And um, that's one of the things that this psalm points out to us. And then the psalmist in verses 5 through through, um, through 16 um, actually, verse 18 goes on with a, a long uh, personal testimony of how he was distressed and the Lord answered him. The Lord was his helper um, and how he, no matter what uh, nations came against him, no matter what opposition was against him, uh, the Lord um, overcame that. It's a call to gratitude for the Lord's goodness and everlasting kindness. The Lord set this person free. Um, And this person in the psalm here, it's a call to have no fear of anyone, because the Lord is for us. In verse 7, the Lord is on my side as my helper. If God is for you, Psalm, you know, Romans 8.31, who can really be against you? Nobody can be effectively against you. Um, There's no disappointment in taking refuge in the Lord. In verses 8 and 9, it it talks about how it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. That men cannot be trusted as a refuge. You can't run to them. And uh, it's wise to think about what uh, the doctors are saying, what um, the leaders are saying. It's, it's wise to think through these things. But ultimately, at the end of the day, when it comes to COVID-19 or, or your finances, you cannot run to human beings and put your trust and refuge in them. That ultimately, God's people must cry out to the Lord, must pray to the Lord, must look to the Lord to do what only God can do to bring about salvation, to bring about well-being. And so you see in this particular psalm, in verse 17 and 18, it says, uh, I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. And that's a sobering Psalm. It's recounting the psalmist's own experience. Um, You might die through this COVID-19. But this psalmist prayed that he wouldn't, and God brought him through. And if God brings you through, um, you have a reason to worship him and bear witness and testify to his goodness. Um. You see further in this psalm, as you go through um, in verse 19 and 20, open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. 
And, and this is sobering because this is referring to the gate of the temple and how the people went into that gate to worship God corporately, something we have not been able to do um, as churches throughout, throughout the country and throughout many, many nations. Uh, but it's, it shouldn't be unnerving to us because, as you remember and recall from Psalm 114, you are the sanctuary of the Lord. And so wherever you are, we are called to worship and called to praise and give thanks to the Lord. And even more than this, verse 20 says, this is the gate of the Lord, the righteous shall enter through it. And we are only righteous by way of a gift that God has given to us. But there's only one who's the righteous one, that's Jesus, and he's the one who entered the gate of Jerusalem. He's the one that that came in on that donkey humbly. And that's why we give thanks to him, because of the salvation he brought. And he was, as verse 22 says, he was the stone the builders rejected, the chief priests, the scribes, the elders of the day. They rejected him. They threw him out. They didn't want him, because he came to die. He came to expose sin and to bear sin. And they didn't like that. They wanted a Messiah to come and put them on the top and make their life comfortable. But Jesus came uh, to deal with sin. He came to humble himself. And uh, he was rejected, but he became not only the foundation stone, but he became the capstone. Three times in this psalm, it talks about how this psalmist overcame all the opposition in his life, all the enemies, uh, and he did it through the name of the Lord. It talks about this early on in verses 10 through 13. How three times he mentions how he overcame the opposition through the name of the Lord. And when Jesus Christ came, they threw him out. They didn't want to hear his name or follow his ways but it's through the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord, that salvation comes to us. He was rejected. He was scorned. But what God did in putting him in an exalted place should be marvelous in our eyes, as it says in verse 23. And this day is the day that the Lord has made. The Lord made a lot of days. He made the day of Passover. It was a special day, the day when when God, uh, Palm Sunday is a special day, Good Friday is a special day, uh, Resurrection Sunday is a special day. These are special days that are set apart to recognize the work of the Lord. And that's what's going on in this psalm, is that when, when Jesus, though rejected, was, was made Lord, it was a day that the Lord had made when, when Egypt and Israel came out of Egypt and the Passover was instituted. It was a day of the Lord. And um, we should desire and seek every single day to be a day of the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That's true every single day of the week. It's the day that the Lord has made. And so then we get to this uh, verse, this key verse, save us, uh, we pray, O Lord. Uh, o Lord, we pray, give us success. And why is it that any of us can have any success in life? 
It's because of the, the blessed one who came in the name of the Lord. That's the one that we bless. We bless Jesus Christ. He came in the name of the Lord, the strong name of the Lord. And that name, as you know, means mercy, grace, that God is slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He keeps steadfast love for thousands. He forgives wickedness, transgression, and sin. And he will by no means clear the guilty. When Moses heard those words, he immediately fell on his face and worshipped God. He, he, he confessed his sin. He, he asked for God to bless the people. And that should be our immediate response in light of these times. No matter the circumstances, this COVID has made everybody paranoid, and it shouldn't do that. We should be wise. We should be careful. But we should also be confident in what Christ is going to do through these circumstances. We saw already how Jesus, through far worse circumstances, the circumstances of the cross, how through those circumstances he's brought salvation, he's brought glory, he's brought uh, justification and redemption. He's, he is saved through the worst case circumstances. So he certainly can take up these circumstances and he can flip them and turn them into something for his glory and for the good of his people and for the growth of his kingdom. And those are the things that we should be praying for and looking for God to do on behalf of his own name. That Jesus Christ came into Jerusalem humble to bear the sin of his people. And though he found Jerusalem in bad sort, though he found Jerusalem uh, uh, wasted with sin and, 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 and the filth of rebellion, that Jesus laid his life down so that the sanctuary there might be a sanctuary, there might be a clean sanctuary filled with glory, filled with his spirit, and useful to him. He is our God. The psalm ends as we end. And we give thanks to him in verse 28. And we extol him. And that's the attitude that we should have at this time always, is verse 29. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever.